Good morning, church. Welcome to our neighbors. I um, spend a couple of days during the week working for a landscape company, and we take landscaping seriously. Um, I don't like mowing the grass, as you can tell when you pulled in. Um, I really like loathe mowing the grass, so I'll just say first, I'm sorry I didn't mow it this week, because that was my bad, I got it. But I work also for a landscaping company. We don't mow grass, but we do a little bit of everything else. We can build retaining walls, we can do pavers, we have done a pergola in the last couple of weeks. We also do lighting and we do irrigation. And we're on retainer, <laughs> we're on retainer uh, with a large farm out on the west side of town. Um, to take care of their irrigation and stuff like that. And they're in the midst of a remodel in the house. Well, they just have finished remodeling the interior of their house. And now they're working on the outside of this main house. And one of the things that I don't know if you've ever thought about is if you're in the middle of a field in Florida and you're kind of on a hill um, and it rains at all, like that water has to go somewhere. And so that's exactly what they've got. They've got a house in the middle of a hill, and every time it rains, they've got water just flowing down this hill um, because it rains a little bit in Florida semi-regularly. And so what they have been doing over the course of the last couple of months is fixing and resolving some of this, this drainage, these drainage issues. They've been moving the dirt and have been trying to redirect it so that it goes anywhere but inside the house they just finished remodeling, um, which is a great plan, um, except that when you move the dirt, you also move the things that are in it, and that's where I get involved because I fixed the, the irrigation pipes. So I tell you all this because we went out there a couple weeks ago because when they started this project, they, they took a, a, a track hoe and just went to town. Like they, they went up to the, and they just and dragged this big mark down the middle of the hill. They broke like seven or eight pipes. They didn't even pay attention to when they broke the pipes because it's one thing to like break a pipe and leave it kind of where it is. It's another thing to pull it up and throw it in the dumpster. So I've got to find where the pipe was, where it was supposed to go and figure out how to connect it. And so we've got seven or eight of these like nightmare logical puzzles that would be fine if they were above the ground, but you've got to dig down three feet to find where the pipe was supposed to. I get frustrated, I'm sorry. So we did that, it was good. We found everything, we got everything reconnected, we got it all uh, working great. Until last week, or the week before, I got a call, hey, um, we, we, fixed, um, we fixed some drainage stuff in the back and I need you to come take a look at it uh, again. So we go out there and they have reopened the exact same trenches that they opened the last time they called me to fix it. The exact same pipes that three weeks ago I had glued back together, now we're broken again. And I, like, I get frustrated. <laughs> All right, look, guys, you call me out. You call me out, I'll help you out. I'll do, it, I'll do it, but if you call me out for the exact same pipes twice, like I feel like I should be charging double for this, and I don't actually do any of the billing. I don't actually do any of the billing. I don't have that authority, but that's like where I get to in my head. Why is that so frustrating? My suspicion is I'm not the only one that faces those kinds of things in their lives. For some of us, it might be as soon as we clean a carpet, like everybody in the house decides they need to walk through that room and they forgot to take their shoes off. 
Um, for some of us, our boss might come behind us after we've cleaned up an area and just start pull, looking for something specific, and they just pull it all out, and like, I can't find this thing. And like, well, if you just asked me, I organized it not 15 minutes ago, but now i got to start over again. Why is that so frustrating to us? What is it that we want out of life? What is it that we're living for? I, I, I so like resonate with the teacher in Ecclesiastes who just looks at the world as vanity, chasing after wind. Everything is vanity. Everything's a waste of time. Like I get that. And that's why I hate mowing the grass. Because every time you cut it, like two hours later, it needs to be cut again. Anyway. I'm starting off this morning a a little bit metaphysical, like I'm coming out of the gate swinging um, what is the meaning of life, and I realized, like, I did not mean to put us into an existential spiral, because that's where I will go, that's my personality, when I started to think about these questions, I said, oh my gosh, everything's meaningless, what am I doing with my life? But I'm going to start with that spiral so that I can give you the answer at the front end. I'm going to give you the answer because I want to, I want to connect, like I want to talk about something that Jesus said that I think is pretty important. What we actually want out of life is um, lasting results. It's, not, it's, 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 some, it's, it's one thing to fix the pipes. It's another thing for the pipes to stay fixed. We want lasting results. We want a persistent legacy not just a legacy that, like, we did something good with our life, but one that, like, people remember, oh, yeah, like, that guy, did, he did some good work, or she did some great work. Or, like, we want enduring fruit. And Jesus talks about that. Believe it or not, he talks about the meaning of life, and he talks about the fruit of our life, and he talks about enduring fruit. And so as we're beginning a journey over the next six weeks, we're gonna, we'll talk about more about how these are all going to connect. But as we begin, I just want to start with, like, what's the point of it all? What, is, what, are, what, what do we draw meaning out of? Because at the end of the day, they're going to call me next week because they got the backhoe out again. Right? As we begin, um, I just invite you to pray together with me. Uh, it's our habit here together to pray the disciples' prayer as we begin. Um, these are not, this is not a magic formula or uh, any kind of uh, spell um, or a mantra, but it is the model of prayer that Jesus left for us, and it's helpful for us if we're going to pray it together to use some of the same words. Um, so I've put the words that I'm going to be praying on the screen if you'd like to pray with me, and you can pray out loud or, or at the very least would you bow your hearts together with me. And let's pray. (sighs) Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you open uh, your Bibles with me to John 15? Uh, If you'd like to use these blue Bibles that are in the chairs uh, probably beside you, we're going to be on page 1126, 1126. In the blue Bibles, 
or you can navigate to John 15. I'll say too, if you don't have a Bible at home and you would like to have one, then just go ahead and write your name in the front of this blue Bible and you can take it home with you and that can be our gift to you. Um, We'd like for you to have access to it throughout the week and not just on Sundays. So John 15, um, and we'll, we'll dive in and then I'll give you some background if that's okay. John 15, beginning in verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. Unless the branch, or as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. I'll pause there. So we're in uh, the book of John, the biblical book of John, and this is actually one of four biographies of Jesus. And this is, mm, I hate to pick favorites, but this is probably one of my favorites of the biographies of Jesus because it was one that was written by Jesus's, one of Jesus' closest friends. So John walked with Jesus. He lived with Jesus probably for three or four years. And at the end of that, he begins to write a biography about Jesus um, and, and, and really, like, you can tell the close relationship that they have. I think it's fascinating. And the, the structure of, of this biography is really fascinating to me. Because in chapters 1 through 12, John talks about Jesus' ministry. He talks about, like, three years of time-ish. Um, of what was going on in Jesus' life, um, some other people that spoke into his life, the things that he said, the things that he did. He talks about that in chapters 1 through 12. But in chapter 13, it's like the whole book moves in slow motion. We have three years in chapters 1 through 12, but in chapters 13 through 21 is three days. And most of that is only one night, a couple of hours. So, so John, as he's describing the life of Jesus, gives a whole bunch of, like, a, a brief overview of what happens in three years. He doesn't talk about it a lot. But then he slows down when he gets to the night before Jesus was crucified, and he records, it feels like, every single sneeze that happened in the room the night before Jesus was crucified. And that's where we are in, in, in John chapter 15. Um, Jesus had begun this night by serving his disciples. He had washed their feet as a sign of like, this is what I really need to teach you. I've only got a couple hours left and I need you to get this. Please understand. And then he begins to teach them. And this is part of his teaching. He says, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. He starts to use this picture of, of, of grapevines, an agricultural picture, which um, for many of us modern Americans, like we're far enough connected from our food chain that we don't necessarily understand how these plants work. But it's really, really 
an interesting metaphor. Maybe we've done enough yard work to realize that if you cut a branch off of a tree, the branch dies, right? And it actually doesn't take long. And actually, if you're, if you're trimming like, like vines, they actually wilt faster. Like some vines will wilt within like five or six minutes. You can tell like, oh, they're really struggling. Trees, they usually take a day or two before the leaves start to turn brown. But, but the point is this, like if, if, if the tree is not connected or if the branch is not connected to the tree, then the branch is going to die. And Jesus takes this metaphor. He says, if you are not connected to me, then you're, then you're going to die. It's a, it's a really simple um, uh, math here. I'm, I'm really not great at math, but I can follow this one. I'm the vine, and you are the branches, and the branches bear fruit. The whole reason for the grapevine is to get fruit, grapes, yes. These are not complicated questions. <clears throat> the whole point of a grapevine is to grow Grapes, right. So if you don't get grapes from your grapevine, your grapevine is useless. Yeah, it's, it's pointless. So if you've got a branch that's not bearing fruit, you cut it off. Here's the, here's the, um, here's the thing that is counterintuitive for those of us who don't spend a ton of time with plants. If it does produce plants, you, cut, you prune it so that it's, it puts energy into the right areas. So there's one more step to this metaphor, cutting. You've got the vine and the branches. Everybody gets cut so that we bear fruit. Um, I, can, I can tell you an example of this. My, my boss, I love him, he's never grown grapes before, and I did one time. And so when you've done something one time that qualifies you, plus a YouTube video, you are perfectly qualified to be able to do everything, right? So he had never grown grapevines before. I had done it precisely one time. And he says, hey, I've got these grapevines. I'm going to plant them out in, in this orchard. And he'd set up this beautiful tree. He's really good at building things. So he'd set up this like beautiful trellis. And all the wires were real taut. And it's like straight lines because he's nar narcissistic. Not narcissistic. Uh, perfectionist. Yeah, like everything's perfect. Like we've measured. I'm like, bro, it's a garden. He's like, no, they got to be straight. So he, he puts these grapes in, and they grow up for the first year. And he says, all right, how about you go out and prune my grapevines? I'm like, awesome. I know how to do this. I did it one time. I watched a YouTube video. And I go out there, and it comes out, and he says, Michael, I said, prune them, not cut them. I said, it's the same thing. He's like, no, there's no vines left. So what you do, at least this is modern. I don't know if all of this is in the text because I don't know how they took care of grapevines then, but I think some of the principles are the same. The way that we do it today is the first year that you have a grapevine, you let it grow up, but then the first year you cut it back. And then you let it grow again, and then you cut it back here. So you let it grow up one-third of the way, you let it grow up two-thirds of the way, and then you let it grow up to the top, and then you let it to start put off. It takes three years to get a vine established to the place where it can begin to even think about growing grapes because you want that, um, that grape vine to have a real thick base to be able to support all the sweet, succulent fruit because that's really what you're there for, right? And so Jesus is saying, I am the vine. I am the thick supply of everything that you need. And y'all are the little branches on top. Like, like I have established everything that you're going to need. And y'all are the branches on top. And, and you're, you're going to get fruit. And so my boss was real mad at me that first year. The second year, he kind of understood. By year three, we're on the same page. But he's still not really sure I know what I'm doing. I don't know either. Don't tell him. 
<clears throat> but that's the process that we're in. Everybody, but here's the point, everybody gets cut. Sometimes we like to think that if I get my life right with God, like everything's going to go perfectly. I just want you to know that whether you're bearing fruit or you're not, everybody gets cut. It's a part of the process. So it hurts. That's not in my notes, but it's, it's there. So he says, uh, whoever, whatever bears fruit, he takes away. Whatever does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He says this weird thing in verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Um, and if what I'd like to do here is just point you back to chapter 13. He says something similar to Peter in, in John chapter 13 and verses 6 through 10, where he tells Peter, Peter asks him to give him a bath. It's, you should read it. It's really interesting. And he says, no, I don't need to give you a bath. Like, you're already clean. Just let me wash your feet. You are already clean. And so I think what Jesus is saying here, you guys have already been pruned because you have walked with me. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And just in case you were not clear yet, he says again, I, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Let's not get that confused. Where does the source of life come from? It comes from me. He... Uh, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't bear no fruits. He says, look, if, if you're not bearing fruits, then odds are you're going to be taken up and removed. And I don't know that he's necessarily making a judgment statement there about, I don't know that he's necessarily talking about hell. I think he's just talking about grapevines. Like if you got these branches that you pruned off and like, what are they good for you? burn them up. They're not really good for anything. Um, because he's already saying, y'all have already been pruned. You've already been cleaned. Like, I'm asking you to continue in something that you started with. So, what does it mean? Like, so, the, I think the concern becomes, what then does it mean to abide in Jesus? Because that's, that's the key. That's the key phrase that he keeps coming back to. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever it is that abides in me and that I abide in him, then this fruit is going to be the byproduct. There's going to be some cutting involved, but there's a fruit that's going to be a byproduct of that. What does it mean to abide? And the only way I can picture it is an intimate connection. Right? Like We don't, we don't really think about branches being connected to trees or branches being connected to grapevines, but where they are connected, that's an intimate connection. Like unless there's some kind of force, exterior force, like they're probably not going to separate. There's an intimate connection between them. They're, they're, one is drawing life from the other one. One is a conduit for the fruit. So what is our connection to Jesus? Like, how would you describe it? Like, before we go further... How would you describe your connection to Jesus? Because that's, that's the point. Are we disconnected? You say, I'm not, I don't, I don't buy into Jesus. I don't even, like, I vaguely know who he is. I don't even really like the people that talk about him a lot. Like, I'm disconnected. I don't want anything to do with that. Or maybe we're associated with Jesus. Like, <clears throat> I'll hang out with some of his people, um, 
I can kind of like I kind of get I, I'm curious about what this thing is, but I haven't I haven't bought into it. Maybe we have been connected in the past. I'll talk about grafting in a minute, but maybe we have been connected in the past and just have allowed outside things to pull us away and pull us apart, and and that life is not able to flow freely between the vine and the branches. Or are we intimately connected? Do we draw our life from him? And I'll just say as I go through like, and diagnosing like what is our connection to Jesus, that's not a static thing. It, it's static being it stays the same forever. In the same way that other relationships aren't static, in the same way that marriage relationships aren't static, they change over time, our relationship to Jesus also changes over time. And so as I give you some of those diagnostics and as you begin to reflect on that, I do want to give you space to reflect on that, is there a change that needs to be made? If, our existential cri- if the answer to our existential crisis is an enduring fruit, and apart from Jesus we can bear no fruit, then personally, we have to put Jesus first. What are, when we ask the question, what are we going to build our lives on? I think the only thing that actually makes sense if we take Jesus seriously is for us to build our lives on him personally. And I come to that because I think that that's true, but I also think it's a good question for us to ask as we consider who we are as a church. We've, we've gone through a, a name change um, in the last couple of months. We went from Grace Church to Neighborhood Church. Like God is clarifying what it is that he wants to do in and through us. And so as we begin to get that clarity, we need to ask ourselves, like, who are we going to be as a church? And really, if you want to know, if you want to know, like, what's important to you, like, it's always going to go, it's always going to be related to what you value. So that's what this series over the next six weeks is going to be. We're going to be talking about what are the things that we value, what are the things that are most important to us as a congregation. And as a congregation, I think it's important for us to put first things first. And the first thing first is Jesus. I put that in the wrong order, sorry. We put Jesus first. We center everything on his loving grace because he alone has set us free. So what is our connection to Jesus? I've I've asked that already. And as we think about that, I'll explain one more plant thing because I think this is really fascinating and I did not know that this was actually a thing. Um, an interesting thing about branches is that they can actually move between trees if you do it right. (laughs) And there's a process. But this is a picture of a grafted apple tree, I believe. And right there in the middle, you'll see a V-shape. Wrong direction. You'll see a V-shape right there. And everything on the right side of the V is a branch, and everything on the left side is 
the, the source tree. So this came from a different tree. They, you can actually grow different types of apples from the same tree. You could put green apples and red apples on the same tree um, because of this, this process. So as we ask, what is our connection to Jesus? Like there's a, a grafting that can take place. And we can graft ourselves onto other things, or we can graft ourselves, or he can graft us into him. Um, so I got that out of order in my notes. So you'll forgive me. All of that, abiding in Jesus, putting Jesus first. What's our connection with Jesus so that we might bear much fruit? Well, that's actually where we started, and that's the question that we wanted to answer as we're putting Jesus first. What does the fruit look like? I'd invite you to continue reading with me in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So what is the fruit of abiding with Jesus? The fruit of abiding with Jesus is the love of Jesus. And he'll go on in, in the next couple of verses to, to explain a little bit further how like that love actually goes out to other people. That's the fruit that the world sees of our abiding with Jesus. And the fruit of our connection with Jesus is his love in us. And if you're like me, or if you're like the guys on my crew, if I were to say the point or the enduring fruit of, of, of life and a life well-lived is Jesus' love, they look at me like I lost my mind. I'm not here for love. I'm here for a paycheck. I got some toys that I want to buy. Like, like, what do you mean that the meaning of life is the love of Jesus? Like, that's so... Nah. It, it's not, it seems intangible. It seems, it seems like it's not helpful. So I just encourage you in, in, in verse 11. He says, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. There are a lot of things that we can build our life on. There are a lot of things that we can chase. Um, there are a lot, a lot of places that we can fix our eyes and focus on. But when it comes down to it, Jesus says this is the thing. If you want to be happy in your life, it comes from abiding in me. If you want an enduring fruit in your life, something that's going to be lasting, it's going to be my love. It's not going to come from you. <laughs> it's not going to come from you. It's, it's, you are a conduit. You're the intermediary. It comes from Jesus. You're the branch. And the fruit almost has nothing to do with you because if you cut yourself off from the vine, the fruit's gone. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So how do we abide with Jesus this week? 
That's really what it comes down to. Like super practically, how do we abide with Jesus? Like those are, those are fine church words, but I got to go to work in the morning. How do we grow any relationship? What is, how does a relationship grow? Like what, are, what are some key essentials to growing a relationship? Like super basic. I've, I've got three, but I had more time to think about it than I'm giving you guys. Talking. Talking. Communication. That's one of mine. Time together. Uh, the last one that I came up with was shared experience. So time together, communication, and shared experience. Like, like it's one thing to go on a date and just sit and stare into each other's eyes and talk. It's another thing to like have a shared experience of a story that you guys are going to be able to come back to. Time, communication, and shared experience. How will we abide with Jesus this week? Time, communication, and shared experience. Time. Look at your calendar. Where is Jesus in your calendar? If we're, if we're going to build our lives on Jesus, if we're going to put Jesus first, personally, how does our calendar reflect that we are spending time with him? I can't remember. I did figure it out one time, um, and I was frustrated myself that I did it, because y'all know I don't like math. But I did figure out like what percentage of the number of hours that we have in a year we do on a Sunday morning. And it's... I'm going to say less than 5% of the hours that we're given in a year is, is, a, is an hour, hour and a half on Sunday morning. So 5% of your time, like if you just do a Sunday thing. I would also argue that sleeping is time with Jesus, but you got to... <laughs> we got more time there, too, uh, if, you, if you sanctify it and make that holy. <clears throat> um, how does our calendar reflect spending time with Jesus? And do we surrender our time to him? Like, is our posture, if Jesus were to come up and say, like, hey, I need you to go and take care of this need. I, you're walking through your life. This doesn't always happen. But you're walking through your life, and you see a need you know you can meet. And Jesus is tapping you on the shoulder. And you're going, yeah, but I'm on my way to do. I don't have time for. Do we live our life and surrender to Jesus' leading? We grow a relationship with time and communication. Um, there's a relationship between exploring scripture and prayer. Jesus, having spoken, uh, John describes him as the word of God. Um, and and, and the, the scriptures that we have reflect God's character and are a repository. We've talked about this. Are a repository of how God has walked with people in the past. So exploring scripture helps us to know about God's character and helps us to know how to interact with him. And he gives us frequently some instructions about how to live our lives. So God is, has spoken, and God is speaking through his word, but there's a relationship between exploring scripture and praying. It's one thing to read, abide in me, and be like, that sounds really good, like I should do that. And it's another thing to go to God and say, hey, God, would you teach me to abide with you? I got a lot of things on my calendar that feel like they're more important than spending time with you. Would you help me align my heart with what it is that you want for me? 
Because I've got this like little selfish motivation of like, I want to live a happy life. But you say that the way that I get a happy life is by abiding in you. That my joy is not complete unless I'm abiding in you. We grow a relationship with time and communication and with shared experience. We grow with Jesus when we serve those that he loves. When we're engaged with the work that he wants to do in the world. And honestly, I have a hard time remembering that sometimes the work that Jesus wants to do in the world is mowing grass. We've we got to edit that out of the podcast. Y'all are not allowed to use that against me in the future. Sometimes the work that Jesus wants to do in the world is monotonous and boring. Sometimes it's washing dishes. Sometimes it's cleaning up after children. <laughs> Sometimes it's kneeling down and having a conversation with somebody who can barely string a couple words together. Sometimes it's meeting a need that's really, really evident, even though you have an appointment to get to somewhere else. How will we abide with Jesus this week? With our time, with our communication, and with our shared experience? Because... We want to put Jesus first. In inviting our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus, we put Jesus first. Our mission as a church is not to grow as a church. Our mission as a church is to invite our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. Neighborhood church is not the vine. I am not the fruit. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So we put Jesus first. We center everything on his love and grace because he alone has set us free. Would you pray together with me? Father, there's some distance between us and the men that you were talking to on this night where they likely spent a significant amount of times near farmers and people who were raising grapes, where many of them probably had experience with vine. Um, we are separated from some of these agricultural images. And so, Lord, would you and your grace fill these gaps and help us to see to the bottom of the truth. To not be distracted by the foliage or by the fruit, but to, to focus our hearts in on you and what it is that you were saying. Would you lead us to surrender to you, Jesus? Would you help us to order our time to make room for you, to put you first in all things that we do? Would you help us to have a sense of how it is that you communicate to us? And God, would you hear our prayers, our frustrated prayers, our bored prayers, our angry prayers, 
would you answer them? Our joyful prayers, our grateful prayers. And would you help us to serve those that you have put around us? God, our neighbors that are, that are close at work or at school or even, even on the very street, God, would you help us to serve them and love them well that they might meet you through us, that they might see your character in us and we might have an opportunity to introduce them to you. All of these things are beyond us, left to our own ability. So would you fill us with your spirit and help us to be empowered by him to do the work that you are calling us? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. It's also one of our habits um, as we begin series to learn a new song. Um, that reinforces some of the ideas of what it is that we've been teaching. And typically we'll do that at the beginning. But with this song in particular, and with this value in particular, I thought it was important to, um, to hold this song until the end. And so I'm going to give some space now for us to reflect on how God is speaking. If there's something that you need to do, like I would have to write it down in order to keep track. Um, if there's somebody you need to text or a calendar appointment you need to make, like I want to give you some quiet time to work on those things. Um, but as we close together today, I'd like for us to close learning a new song together um, and a prayer that we might abide with Jesus. So let's take a few minutes now. <laughs>